Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha. Joining me today, we have Noelle torres Lafrada. Hi, Noelle. Are you there? Hi, I'm here. Wonderful. I can hear you nice and clear. Why don't we start by having you give an introduction for our listeners? Okay. Um, as she said, I'm Noelle torres Lafrada. I am a certified teaching assistant at a preschool called Inspire Kids in New York. I am also an RBT, although I am currently on inactive status. I'm also a coach for Special Olympics. I just got certified in that. In the past, I've had a lot of jobs in the field. I've worked for respite. I've done ComHab. I've been a teaching assistant. So I've, I've worn a lot of hats. I'm also a sibling to somebody on the autism spectrum. So that's basically me. <laughs> that's you in a nutshell definitely wearing a lot of hats so Noelle you and I first connected about a week or two ago when you contacted me via Behavior Babe on Facebook and you were sharing some resources can you talk a little bit about those resources and why you created them and um, where people can find them yes so I created um, an article full of resources on Medium which is um, a blog forum that I use I shared them with you because I really just wanted to get the word out there, and your page has a huge following, so I figured that if I was able to get it out there, people would be able to see these resources. As in the situation we're in right now, a lot of people are quarantined, a lot of kids are home from school, and people just need resources to go to. I was able to find so many thanks to all of the wonderful people that I've worked with who are mentioned in that article. So I was able to find these resources, and I felt it was important to share with the community so that people can educate their kids at home and try to keep them on progress. Yeah, and, and how, you know, how is life for you? How are things being impacted with the COVID-19 for you? You're in New York, right? I'm in New York. Everything is basically closed except for essential businesses. It's been an adjustment. A lot of schools are working to do more online education so that the students don't lose the skills as much as possible. They've been doing online occupational therapy, um, online speech therapy, online special education services with teachers. Yeah, so they're definitely trying to get still, you know, staying in touch. It's very hard. Um, Kind of similar situation right now here in Hawaii. We have enrichment packets they're not taking grades and they're not taking attendance um, so I think what they're doing is trying to maintain and not lose skills and that's both for our general education and special education students well you mentioned that you wear several hats and so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about you said that you are also um, you have a personal connection to autism do you want to share a little bit about that yes so my brother was diagnosed with autism uh, when he was younger, they first diagnosed him with PDE-NOS, and then they changed it to autism with the new DSM-5. He is my biggest inspiration. He is so sweet, and I've seen him overcome so much. This has given my family such a connection to the community. Here in New York, we are so lucky to have a great autism community. There's actually an organization here called Autism Mothers of Orange County, They were an organization started by the mothers of my brother's friends. They were not happy with some of the services that they were 
entitled to. So they decide to put more out there for our community. They hold fundraisers and move-a-thons, and they even fund some Special Olympic sports. Um, they fund some of the sports that I coach for, and these sports have just been really great for the individuals and the families in the community. It gives them a time to connect. It gives the kids a social outlet, and through the sports, they learn so many skills. Um, we also have more adaptive sports leagues. We have an organization called Beautiful People. I've been a volunteer with them since 2009, and that's really when I first started working with individuals with special needs outside of my family. So that was like a great experience and just meeting all these different families and all these parents was an inspiration to me. Some of these mothers are so strong and they're pushing for so many services that it was just an inspiration to me. It inspired me to be where I am today. I couldn't do it without the community that we have here. I'd love to see more of a community like this just everywhere in all the states. I think that this is important. It's really helped us a lot because whenever anybody has any questions, we all know we can go to each other and everybody's just so knowledgeable on um, what's going on. So it's just been a great experience. And then this actually pushed me to start my career. I started working at Inspire, the preschool I work at now. I started at 18 right out of high school. I never imagined that I can make a career out of something that I love so much. But it was great when I started. Everybody really just they showed me the ropes. I've seen so many great people working there, and they really inspired me to just continue down this path, continue getting educated and just being the best I can be for the, the students that I serve. Oh, well, that's awesome. I mean, I love to hear that people want to be the best they can be. And, of course, I think that's a personal goal of, of mine. Um, I loved and really connected when you said with parents. Um, you mentioned mothers, and I'll mention the dads, too, and, and even, you know, sometimes the extended family, the grandmas or the aunts or uncles. But you want to talk about finding a passionate group of people. Uh, it's really parents of, of children with special needs and, and maybe for me specifically the autism community. Um, they can move mountains. So, yeah, it's, it's, I say sometimes there's nobody else I'd rather be around than people who are that motivated and invested. So I really connect, really connect with that point. Now, you mentioned that you're working at a preschool, but right now with COVID-19, I'm guessing that you guys are not working in the traditional sense. Are you still able to connect with any of the families, or what does that look like right now? So we've been connecting through Zoom with the families as much as possible. I know there's been phone conferences going out, and the, the school has just been trying to do a lot for the family. They've been providing online resources, and they even are taking up a, a collection of food in case if there's any families that are in need of food during this time, the school is collecting food for them. Um, they're just really pushing. They're doing a lot of the online OTPT, just trying to keep up with as much of the services as they can. We are not currently working, but a lot of the times we are connecting with them either online or on Zoom, and we are also doing taking this time to do a lot of training. Yeah, this is a good time to be doing some training for sure, um, but it's hard, right? I mean, uh, I, I'm quarantined by myself, but I know that many people are juggling 
uh, caring for their, their, you know, elderly family or caring for their children or extended family members or maybe even, I know some families have um, children of their neighbors who might be essential workers. And so it's a bunch to juggle um, <laughs> for sure. And I think, you know, the information you compiled, what it does is it takes some worry away for people and it get, gives them and guides them with some prescription. It's not how do I navigate this vast, you know, information out on the Internet and know what's appropriate, but you really kind of gathered a lot of that together and did it with the educator's, you know, mindset as well as, as somebody who has, that, again, that personal familial connection with, with learning, you know, dis- disabilities and styles. So when we connected online, I asked you, you know, what brings you passion? Like what motivates you? And you've, you've mentioned definitely already some of those things, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to delve a little bit deeper into any areas that you'd like to. So for my passions, as I've stated before, it's really just the community that I've been surrounded with. Growing up, me and my brother are only 18 months apart, so I've grown up in this community and I feel like it's just been such a great experience for me because I can see so much growth from these people that I'm around, these individuals, and it's just amazing to see. It's amazing to see individuals on the spectrum going to college and holding jobs and just doing everything that everybody else is doing. And they really should because they want to be like everybody else and they are like everybody else. And it's just really been great to have so many inspirational people around me, some coaches that I've worked with, some teachers I've worked with. They've just been very inspirational and have helped guide me in the direction that I'm going in and pushing me to do more training and just get where I am today. And it's just been great to see this community. And as I said before, I'd love to see a community like this everywhere, that every family should feel like they have, like, this village with them. I was just looking online this morning and a friend of mine who is a mom of two children on the spectrum, she shared this quote and um, forgive me if I don't get it correct because it's not right in front of me, but the whole idea that it takes a village to raise a child and the quote is, I think it takes a child with autism to raise the consciousness of the village. Um, and that, is, that, was, that is so true. Yeah, it was really beautiful, and I really feel like many in the in the community would connect with that kind of statement, right? Like, how much have we learned about ourselves um, being in a position to try to guide and help others, right? I know for me, um, <laughs> I think a lot about some of the skills I've taught some of my learners in the past, and I think, man, I feel like they can do they they do their dishes better than I do. So we got to work on some motivation <laughs> in my own life for sure. Now, you also mentioned that you are currently inactive, but that you had become a registered behavior technician. And uh, it sounds like that's influenced by, again, experience, personal experience, but I don't want to make that assumption. When did you decide or how did you go about becoming and obtaining the RBT credential? So I was really introduced to a lot of ABA when I first started working at Inspire. They use a lot of the techniques from it. And one of the teachers I worked with, she really showed me a lot of the techniques, the skills. She gave me a lot of resources. And then from there, I went on. I was inspired. I was, <laughs> I went on to get my certification for a registered behavioral technician. I was doing it after school hours for a few days a week, and I loved it. It was, it was great. And 
I enjoy helping people. I want to make sure that people can be the best they can be. And the families that I've met through it were amazing. And the kids were just phenomenal. I was so proud of the progress they had made. And I feel like, like you said, they have taught me so much. And that's one of my, I feel like one of my strengths is that when I'm working with a learner, I feel like we're both learning. I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. Oh, how beautifully put. When I'm working with a learner, they're learning from me and I'm learning from them. That's, that's going to be, I'm going to quote you on that for sure. <laughs> um, what would you say to somebody who has an interest or maybe has experience, maybe they have a personal connection or maybe they just heard about ABA, like how difficult was it for you um, or what did you learn about yourself in the process of obtaining the RBT credential? Like do you have recommendations, suggestions, strategies for anyone who might be interested? I think it's something that's amazing. I feel like everybody everybody should go for it because it is been such a great credential to have. Even though I'm inactive now, I still feel like I still see opportunities in my life where I can use what I've learned. And it's just been it's really a great, great community to work in. When I was working with families privately during after school hours, it was great. I I was so happy to be able to help and it really is meaningful work. You work with these learners and you see them progress. Even in just a short period of time, they progress so much and just so much to be proud of. And the families, you can just see how much they appreciate it. You've mentioned the word proud multiple times. And, um, I, and I think that that really lends itself to even talking about some of the the internal or intrinsic motivation, right? Um, most educators that I meet, um, medical professionals, helping those in the helping professions, it does give us a sense of satisfaction and pride, right? And that doesn't get delivered by somebody. It's not a publicly available, you know, event. People aren't clapping and cheering. It's it's not that. That's not the motivation. The motivation is is progress, right? Like that itself is so motivating. Um, it is. So you also had said one of your other hats is that you've done some coaching with Special Olympics. What does Special Olympics look like in New York, and what has your role been with that? So I have been a volunteer with them for quite a while. I just recently was certified as a coach because there was a whole process you had to go through, but I was volunteering for quite a few years before I actually got certified. Um, the Special Olympics here in New York – where I am is held usually in May. They have a variety of sports, and they also they break it up based on skill level. So some of the athletes will be working just on what they call skills. So for basketball, which is one of the sports that I coach, it's a lot of just practicing shooting and passing. So those are the skills they look at. And then they also have games, so they do like scrimmages with other other places, other athletes in the community. So that's basically what that looks like here. And it's really it's really nice to see. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I wanted to, you know, give you an opportunity to share your ideas, your strategies, your suggestions. And when you were compiling that list of information for your educational resources, um, you had mentioned again, like you were looking at it with a lens of, 
of children with autism or children with specialized needs. What are some of any of those resources that stick out that you can mention right now? Um, I really liked some of the at-home sensory ideas that they had. They had, like, making Play-Doh at home, making slime at home, because a lot of um, individuals on the spectrum do have sensory needs, and sometimes when you're trapped in your house for an unknown amount of time, it can be hard to get those needs met, and I feel it's important to be able to do those things. And it's great because for families like that don't have those on hand, you just look in your, your cabinet and there's like just basic things. You can make it from flour and water, and it's just like a basic sensory outlet. I also really liked some of the, the online resources, like the apps they could download, because during this time sometimes it can be hard to find a way to keep your child engaged, especially if you don't have tons and tons of educational materials in your house, for families to just be able to get on and download an app and be able to work with their child on the app for educational instruction. I thought that that was really important. I also liked that I found one of the local internet providers in our area was providing internet to families and students for free for two months, which I thought was really important because even though we live in this technological era, not everybody has the luxury of having internet. So just that they were able to do that in our area and provide families who might not have it with internet so that their kids could have access to these things is really important. Absolutely. You know, even locally, I got a message that my um, cell phone carrier, uh, Verizon, they messaged me and said, hey, we're giving you an extra, like, I think it was 15 gigs of data for the month. And it was like just due to the COVID crisis. And I have to admit, you know, I'm I'm definitely fortunate and have the privilege of having access to the internet and having a computer and other technology at home, but I have been using my phone as a hotspot at times when the internet connectivity has been, you know, compromised or down. And so that's something I, I really appreciated. <laughs> it was really yeah. nice to not even have to ask. But yeah, for any of our listeners who are on the call, if that's something that's difficult for them, um, definitely check with your local carriers because there are a lot of options being offered for free or reduced or trials. So that's a really important point. You mentioned the sort of inequity that this exposes, I think, for our families um, and, and others in society. Also, you mentioned some apps, and right now it's April, so it's Autism Awareness Month, and I just want to um, mention to, to people out in, in the podcast world, in the land out there, that oftentimes we will see free um, apps during this month in honor of autism awareness. So definitely keep checking the app store um, right now. This might be a really good time to build that library of online apps that people could be using. So great. And then, you know, you also mentioned sensory activities. And I have to say, I've been going, you know, a little stir crazy myself. And I've seen some of these really incredible, like, obstacle courses out of, like, painter's tape, and I'm probably only about a day or two away from making one in my house. <laughs> what have you been doing to occupy your time during the COVID crisis, other than compiling resources for other families? I've been doing some, some training, some continuing education. I've also been doing exercise videos because, like you said, sometimes you just got to get up and moving. I'm not a person who likes to to be sitting down all day in front of my TV. So I've been trying to just keep moving, keep busy. Keep moving, keep busy, keep connected, but, you know, remotely and, and keep mm -hmm. practicing our physical distancing. 
Well, Noelle, I wanted to, again, thank you for joining me today and for sharing your time and your information resources. Before we end our call today, um, just wondering if there's any shout-outs you want to give or anything you want to plug or, um, I don't know, the website or anything that you want to share. Um, I just I want to give a shout-out, I guess, to my fellow uh, teachers and administrators at Inspire. They really – helped me a lot, and to my fellow coaches in um, Orange County, New York, with the Thunderbolts, which is the team I coach, I guess just give a shout-out to the people that I work with who have really been my inspiration. Oh, wonderful. And, of course, a shout-out to your brother, your family, your whole the whole village, and um, everybody that, that you've met and worked with along the way. Again, I am, was really impressed with – all of the information you had compiled with your eagerness to share it and your willingness to, you know, come on and elaborate and have the conversation with me today on the podcast. And so I will, and I have already shared that information, but I'm going to reshare it again and kind of push it back to the forefront now that people are past the first week or two of what do we do. And now they're maybe ready to really delve deeper into that. And, um, and so that's great. So thank you so much, Noelle. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for anyone who's interested in learning more about ABA or any of the things we talked about today, you can do that by visiting www.behaviorbabe.com. 